Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for just leading us. I want to come back at the end of the message because I believe that the Lord really specifically wants to minister, minister to us in a, in a unique way here today. But we're so glad that you're here. Somebody found a fan back there, and I'm just like, praise the Lord. <laughs> we got a, like, a March later found that over in the corner. And I thought, man, if we had a couple more of those, we would be cruising. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm so sorry that uh, it's hot, but thank you for bearing with us um, here uh, in the service. Uh, I just want to give you a quick update. Um, this last week, the, the senior engineer of the engineering firm that's doing the structural engineering on the building, which is the only piece left for approval with the city of Scottsdale. But for some reason, the reviewer doesn't like the mathematics and, and all the numbers, what it's showing. And we're really praying for a breakthrough this week that he went in and met with the reviewer, hoping that this is the final piece, that they'll pass it and we'll get our permit and then start the process again to finish um, uh, the building. It's been, I guess you could say it's been a battle. Uh, with the building, and we know that it's probably a good sign that the enemy does not want us in Old Town Scottsdale, and these have been unforeseen obstacles, if you will, but we know that the battle is the Lord's, and he's given us the victory. So continue to pray with us. I'm really believing for a breakthrough this week. It's the only piece left to get this permit so that we can finish the building and get into it. And I promise you, and when we get into the building, I'm going to crank the AC down to 50 degrees. <laughs> so I'm going to make up for this. I promise you, you know. Um, and we'll just get it cold. You have to bring your jacket, and we'll, you know, really appreciate it when we, when we do that. Um, thank you for your patience. Thank you for being just a wonderful congregation. Bridget and I feel um, incredibly blessed uh, to have just the people that we have in this church that are so supportive. Our greatest challenges are not the sheep, but our greatest challenges has been these obstacles, obviously, that the enemy is trying to put in our way. But we know that God's going to give us great victory and breakthrough with this permit. And hopefully, as soon as we get the permission and the permit, I'll shoot out an email to everybody letting you know that our breakthrough is here and we're moving forward um, on the building. Josh and I, we, as we meet a leadership team, and we got together this past week and, um, and I love having discussion. He's a very creative guy, and he comes up with amazing ideas and titles. That's why it's good to have creative people on your team. And, and Jensen and Bridget and all these, they, they're just visionaries and they're creative. And we were talking about this next series. It's kind of been on our calendar for a couple of months. We wanted to do what we call a banner series and talk about banner church, what the church is, what we represent, what it really means, this banner church idea, this, this transition and name change that we've come through. We really want to define the banner church. And what we're asking you to come under this vision and, and uh, what we feel God has called us to be and to do as the banner church and Josh made a great statement in the meeting this past week. He said, Dana, it's kind of like uh, this is halftime uh, in the middle of a game where we're basically going to uh, go in and we, we've come through the first six months of this year, basically wrapping up the first half of the year here at the end of June. And we've got six more months to go. And we feel a little bit behind. I feel like the enemy maybe has a few touchdowns ahead of us here. But we come back in the locker room, and I don't know about you, but I remember being on some sports teams, and I remember those locker room chats. For those who are in sports, how many of you remember those? 
especially when you feel like you're a little behind. And the coach would come into the locker room and, and basically remind us who we are, how good we are, what we can really accomplish. We're not reaching our potential. That first half, basically the coach would say, you guys stunk, <laughs> and, you know, and you got to reach your potential. You're better than this. And all of those pep talks at halftime that would go on. And I, I'm not coming in here to reprimand anybody. If anything, I would reprimand myself. But I want to come in here and I want to remind you of some things of who we are that will fit into this banner series. The banner, if you look at biblically, this, this Hebrew word is very interesting. And the banner, biblically, it was something that, uh, that was obviously lifted up. The banner, in the biblical sense, was usually a pole with a, with a flag or a banner on the pole. And they would lift it up, not just to show the enemy, this is who we are. We represent the banner of Jesus Christ and the Lord God Almighty. And, you know, that could be quite intimidating to an enemy. But probably more importantly, it was a reminder to the team, a reminder to the people of Israel, a, a reminder to you and to me that we serve the Lord and that we're under the banner of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is something that would be lifted up so that everybody could see it. And there's something very inspiring about a banner that's lifted up, like the American flag. I mean, I, I get goosebumps when I see an American flag flying on a ship or in a situation in battle that we, we, we wave this flag, this American flag. It represents strength. It represents authority. It represents the American people and the American way. And when an American flag is lifted up, people are, are respectful of that, realizing that we don't just come with a banner and a flag, but we come with strength, power, and authority. Amen. And I think that's what we wanted to see happen in this. I remember going to a, a, I got invited by a good friend of mine who lives in Tucson. My boys were born in Tucson. And, but, you know, I'm an ASU graduate, and there was always a conflict of interest going on between my Sun Devil loyalties versus Wildcat. And I lived in Tucson. I thought, you know, I just got to suck it up here. So anyway, we, this was just a few years ago. And he said, hey, Dan, I got tickets to the ASU U of A game. It's in Tucson. I'm saving a ticket for you. Why don't you come on down? Like, that'd be awesome. And so I didn't know, but we ended up in this student section at the, at the end zone. And I'm surrounded by Wildcat fans. And I, you know, I brought an ASU hat. And he said, you know, you might want to put that in your pocket if you value your life. <laughs> I'm like, you know, this is my banner. This is, you know, who I represent and everything. He's like, you know, that just wouldn't be wise. And just said, so, I, you know, I just stuffed it away and I went in there. And it was funny because when U of A would score a touchdown, everybody in my section would stand up and just go nuts and go ballistic. And I thought, what do I do? Do I just sit here and act like I'm upset and mad, you know? So I, I would stand up and clap, and it was just so phony. I mean, I was like, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want them to think I'm an ASU fan in the middle of them, you know? And so I got up, and I tried to act like I'm happy, when I really wasn't. And I think they're flying the Wildcat banner in this section that they represent. I mean, it was zealous. It was powerful. It was, you know, and I thought, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time right now. And I'm thinking about... The banner that we represent, and this is like a, a halftime chat, a halftime talk, as we're coming into the middle of the year, and we're meeting in this hot cafeteria in the school, and it's like, you know what, I got to rally the troop. That word banner also means a standard and a rallying point, a rallying point. Biblically, when they would raise a banner, it was a banner of the Lord God Almighty, 
it would gather the children of Israel together, and it's like, we're going to rally together. God's already given us the battle, but we need to move into action. We need, if, if ever in our lives we need to commit now so that we can win this victory and we can take the land and we can move forward. And I want to speak to you about the very first battle that the children of Israel encountered in the wilderness. This is before the promised land, when they went into the promised land in Jericho and all those battles that entailed under the leadership of Joshua. But this is Moses' battle. This is the man who led them out of bondage in Egypt, was symbolic of our salvation, and they crossed over the Red Sea. And this is the very first intense battle that they encounter in the wilderness itself under Moses' leadership, and it's an important battle. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17, beginning with verse number 8, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version. It said, now Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. I looked up and I did a study on the, the, the Malachites, thinking what kind of enemy is this? I think it's important to study our enemy and to know what we're dealing with. And I in, in Corinthians, Paul talks about that everything that was written in the Old Testament was for our benefit as an example that we can learn from every story in the Old Testament. Every one of these pictures and these illustrations, it's for us today to learn from and to study. It's kind of like studying the game films of another team. I mean, that's, that's our enemy, and we want to win this game. And they'll sit there and they'll spend hours poring over game films, watching how this team that they're going to encounter in a game, plays and what, what they do, and they, they study the other team, and they study their enemy, in, in fact, like that. It's like watching a game film, and when we read these stories, it's like a game film in the sense that this is how the enemy was operating against the children of Israel, and in the same way, he'll operate against you and me and the church, and it's some, it's some of the same strategies and plans that he employs against us. And so I'm so appreciative of these stories because it teaches us, it inspires us, it helps us to understand, you know, what we're dealing with in this. And I did a little study on the, the, the Malachites and what kind of an enemy they were. And I found in one that when they did an archaeological study, they found writings about the Amalekites. And they were, it said that it claimed in this one writing that they were the ones who lick blood. And I thought, that's gruesome. But what it said in there is that they were a ruthless enemy. They were ruthless. They were murderous. There was absolutely no mercy with this kind of an enemy that Moses and the children of Israel were going to face in this first battle. And so it goes in there that they were in battle. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'm going to stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. This rod that is so important, he's going to stand there and lift it up to remind the children of Israel, but also to show the enemy that this is who we represent, the Lord God Almighty. And a reminder of the children of Israel that as he lifts up this rod like a banner, it's a reminder to inspire them. This is who we represent. The battle is the Lord's. You can go into this with great confidence and with great victory. And it's important for us here today to understand that 
we need an aspect, we need a facet of confidence in our life. And I think a lot of Christians, if they're really honest with themselves, and I go these periods of times and seasons of my life as well, it's like, I'm really lacking some confidence here, Lord. I really, I need to see something. I need to see a breakdown. I don't want my confidence to be shaking. And oftentimes, teams that come into the halftime locker room during the chat, it's like, man, we got pummeled out through this first half, and they, they've lost their confidence, and the coach's job is to reinstill in them a, a sense of confidence again to go out in the second half of the game and take authority, take the power that has been given to you, and go out there and show them who you really are. And so he says, I'm going to stand up there with this rod on my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses said to him in verse number 10. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed, this ruthless enemy. But Moses' hand became heavy. They took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur literally supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. Puts up, it's like a double anointing here. They're holding his hands up knowing that, that this battle is dependent upon this banner or this rod being lifted up and staying up. And I believe it was a reminder. And Aaron supported his hand one side and the other until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. They won the battle. How does that reflect in modern day spiritual warfare? And that's my point here this morning. There's, the, there's a tremendous reflection. So the Lord said to Moses, here's what I want you to do now that you've won this battle. I want you to write this for memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. I don't want this to ever be forgotten. This is the first battle in the wilderness you're facing. And what I gave you, I want this to be a memorial, something that you'll always reflect on, that you'll remember that future generations, this generation can draw from and learn from as well, this memorial, that's what memorials are. We do not forget, number one, what happened, but probably secondly and most importantly is that that memorial is a reminder to us that the same group of people that went into battle is like us, that we can go into our battles of life, we can go into all the conflicts of, that the enemy throws at us as well, and we can live out this same biblical principle. It's a reminder for the church of Jesus Christ today. It's a reminder for you and me. And I want to speak to you about the Lord is our banner. And he says in here, and Moses also did after the memorial, built an altar and called its name Jehovah Nisi, or the Lord is my banner. And that's the title of this series. The Lord is my banner. And he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. In other words, it's that same spirit of Amalek. It's the, it's the generation after generation. It's the same spirit that we deal with. We, we have an enemy. It, it may not be the, the traditional um, Amalekites that he fought there, but it's the same spirit. It's the same agenda that the enemy has against us that we're battling from generation to generation. And Moses is saying here for all the future generations that there's a banner, Jehovah Nisi, and it basically said, the Lord is your banner. Now, this is an important reminder to us, and if there's something important in a halftime scenario, it's that. I remember in Prescott High School, where I went to high school, our mascot was the Badgers. We were the Badgers, which I thought was really cool. And my brothers and I, would, we would see Badgers near where we lived. I mean, there's literally was Badgers up there. 
And the badger, they say that will take on a bear. Literally, a bear will be, you know, three, four times bigger than a badger, but a bear won't even mess with a badger. They're tenacious. They're tough. They're, they're aggressive. They're ferocious. And we had just a cool mascot. And I remember when they would run around the field or the basketball court waving this banner that, you know, the badger's on there. It reminded us who we were. It was inspiring. It was uplifting. It's like, yes, we're the Prescott Badgers. And the mascots aren't just to have fun with, but there's a serious message that is communicated in that. And Moses said, there's a serious message in this that the Lord is my banner. And Josh, this is just a little hint for you and your creative team. But I would love to create a, ban- a, a banner that says the Lord is my banner, maybe Jehovah Nisi in parentheses at the bottom of there, that we could literally put in our homes as a reminder, the Lord is my banner, maybe on our door, maybe in our home, maybe in our Bible, that we have this and we really understand stand as a church, and hopefully if you go away from this service with anything here this morning, you can understand and remember, embrace, this isn't just banner church, but really what we represent is the Lord is my banner, and the church of Jesus Christ comes under the banner of Jesus, amen. He's our banner. It's very significant. And winning the victory in this first battle There's just a few reminders that I want to give you this morning that hopefully will inspire and and touch your heart today, and it's important for you to understand this. First of all, we need to be reminded that the Lord is on our side. In Psalm 124, it says this, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, isn't it helpful to know that God's on our our side? I mean, he's, he's on your side. He's not against you. He's for you. He, he's on our side. I mean, that should bring a great deal of confidence and, and inspire you. Let Israel now say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, these enemies, they would have swallowed us alive. And when their wrath was kindled against us, if it had not been that the Lord was on our side. This is a reminder When the Lord is our banner, is raised up, I would venture to say that Moses, maybe in the middle of that battle, if there was any halftime talks with his generals and his captains and colonels and whoever was leading these different troops into battle, maybe Moses, maybe Aaron or her was yelling out as they raised up this rod, this this banner to the children of Israel, and I could see them calling out to the soldiers and those who were fighting against this ruthless enemy, don't forget the Lord is on your side. Don't forget. And it would instill not just an emotional sense of well-being, but a spiritual impartation of confidence that God is on my side. He wants us to win. He wants to take the battle for us. He wants us to experience his power and his grace. He doesn't want us to live all of our life constantly struggling with the same enemy, the spirit of uh, Amalekites in our life that we do not overcome. And I think this is the first and foremost reminder to us, the Lord is on our side. That's why in home games, most teams typically are, are, they win in their home court, or they win on their home field, what do they call it? The home field or the home court advantage. Why is it an advantage? Because you've got hundreds of people in the stands rooting and screaming and yelling and, you know, they're raising the banner. They've got their t-shirts and their hats and their flags and their banners and waving and they're reminding their team that you can win this game and you can win this battle. And it's, it's so inspiring when you see that. It's the home field advantage. 
And here's the thing. Every battle that we engage in as a believer, we don't go to an away game. We don't go into the enemy's territory and play. He always plays in our home stadium or our home court. Somebody say amen. He plays on our field. And we've got the saints in the stands. We've got Jesus Christ as our banner. And we have the home field advantage each and every time. Hallelujah. Each and every time. Number two, we, we need to be reminded as well that we are supported by the greatest power in the universe. I don't say that lightly. Romans 8.31 says it like this, just one line, one sentence. What, the, what shall we say to these things or these enemies or this opposition? What shall we say to this architect and this civil or this structural engineer and even to the city? What shall we say? If God is for us, then who can be against us? We are to be reminded, secondly, that we are supported by the greatest power in the universe. If God is for us, no one can be against us. This is important for us to understand and, and again, to instill not a self-confidence that, that wanes with, like, our emotions that feel up and down, constantly going to people going to seminars to talk about self-esteem and self-confidence, self-help, self-care. Bridget and I were in a situation recently with a really close dear friends of ours, and, and they had just a, a, a huge setback and failure in their ministry and their marriage, and they went, and it was just all about, like, they just kept talking about just, we need to get more involved in self-care, self-care, and I'm like, what is that? What is this self-care? And I'm thinking, really what we need is a proper perspective. It's, it's not that we don't need confidence, but we need a God confidence based on the word of the Lord and the promises of that God has given us. Not trying to draw something from what somebody tells me that, in a secular sense, but what does the Lord say? What does the Lord represent? The Lord is our banner, and I want my confidence to be a God confidence. What should we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Number three, we need to be reminded that if we keep the banner lifted up, there will be victory. Look at Exodus 17, 11 again that we just read. And, and so it was that when Moses held up his hands, that the Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Jesus said that if I would be lifted up, I would draw all men unto me, speaking that when they lift him up on a cross and he dies for the sins of the world, he died for you, he died for me. There's power in the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul said it like this, you know what, I desire to know nothing else among you. He was a theologian, he was a philosopher, he was intelligent, he was educated. Paul was a, a phenomenal. He could debate anybody at any level, whether it was a Pharisee or somebody in the Roman government. This was an eloquent man who was highly educated, but he said, none of that means nothing to me save this, that Jesus Christ in him crucified, knowing that the power that I derive in my life, the victories that I win in my life, is I come under the banner of Jesus Christ when that cross has been lifted up, and I bring it to the cross knowing there's power in the cross of Jesus. And that's one area of the gospel we can never water down or compromise, that it's at the cross that I, I got saved when I came to the cross. The songs that they were singing during the altar call when I got saved at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. And there's that power of the cross and that rod is symbolic in the Old Testament of the cross of Jesus Christ and, and him hanging on the cross that our power is derived from that, our confidence is, is derived from that. 
And when Moses kept this up, they prevailed in the battle. Number four, we need to be reminded that the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner, this, this, this reminder. And when they built this altar and the reminder that Jesus is the banner of Moses, he didn't want us to ever forget. We are to fight with our sword, and it's not a physical sword that we pull out of a sheath and it's like, let's go to battle. And I'm going to tell you something that many of the battles that, that you and I are fighting right now, let me just, let's just be really honest, and I'm just as guilty of this, is that I'm fighting it in my own ability, my own strength, my own flesh, and it's like I'm not getting anywhere. And the Lord's like, when are you going to stop fighting with this? You know, this isn't something that you fight in the natural, but this is my battle. And so the sword that I draw from my sheath is not a real sword, but it's the word of God and just declaring what God has already said, declaring what God has already done. The battle was won when Jesus was lifted up on the cross. The enemy was completely stripped of all of his authority and all of his power. And the only power that Satan has in our life today is the power that we give him. Do you realize that? That's the only power he has in a relationship in the building, I mean, any power that he has over us or domination is what we give him. Sometimes, most of the time, unknowingly, we give him the power to wreak havoc in our life and our emotions and, and our situation and our families. We're opening the door. We've got to take responsibility for that. Because he stripped the enemy, and Paul says it very clearly in Colossians, that the enemy was completely stripped of all authority and power and dominance when Jesus was lifted up on that cross. And it's just really, if I could give you the halftime little pep statement, it's high time that we rem remind ourselves of that, that the battle is the Lord's, and we can't do this in our own ability and strength. We have to do this through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And as we keep that banner lifted up in our life and bring ourselves under the authority of that banner, that God's going to do some great things in our life. It's so simple that we can miss it. It's, just, it's too simple. Because I think it takes a tremendous amount of humility to come. It's like his power begins when our power ends. Do you get that? His power is in, activated in our life. His power is released in our life when we finally come under the banner of Jesus and we come to the cross and say, God, I can't do this by myself. God, I can't save myself. I'm tired of being religious. I've grown up in religion. I've gone to the church and did everything they said to do and all of the rules and all the religious regulations in my life. It didn't get me anywhere. But Lord, I come and when our power ends, his power begins in our life. And so we declare with a different kind of sword. It's, it's, it's the word of the Lord. It's the promise of God. It's like the Lord just saying, just declare what I've already done. Declare what I've already spoken and live in that promise. And then secondly, we're to pray and to cry out to God. And sometimes our prayers need to be these it cries to the Lord like David. It says in many passages in the Psalms, he cried out to the Lord. Cried out to God. Not that God couldn't hear him. But it was a passionate appeal. It was that halftime chat or that halftime talk there, you know, where they get in the middle and they all put their hand in the middle and it's the rah, 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 badgers. I remember it. It's like, yeah, we got this. He's got our back. And when the badger's running around the court, 
with that flag in his hand. And I have to say that I've been in some charismatic churches where during worship and they're, they're waving the banners up in the front as a part of the worship team. I have to tell you, I get inspired by that. You know, somebody's thinking, that's kind of weird. No, it's not weird. Sometimes we need somebody to wave a, a, a literal banner as a reminder that the Lord is our banner during that service. And so he's saying, I want you to cry out to me. And then there we, you know, we, we declare the word of the Lord. We cry out to God in prayer. And then we worship Jehovah Nisi and we claim the victory that God has given us. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. And that's why worship is so powerful in our life. And there's many times, and I mentioned this in the last couple of weeks in messages, where Worship is irreplaceable in our personal life. It's not just a Sunday morning. I love corporate worship, but there's a private time of worship. And I've said this before, I, I maybe not to this in this setting, but I'm the type of person that, you know, I grew up thinking, you know, people talk about their kneeling, which is a form, one of the postures of prayer and worship is kneeling. I'm not against that. I do it. But oftentimes when I kneel and I bow, I'm just kind of like, <sighs> and so I'm the kind of guy that I like to walk. And now that it's really hot, you know, I try to get up when I'm walking just to keep myself alert. And as I pray and I'm just worshiping the Lord and everything. And then if I try to do in bed, that doesn't work either because I end up at bedside assembly with pastor sheets and, and, uh, <laughs> It doesn't work for me. It's like I got to get up and move. And when I was in Israel on a trip one time and I saw those Jews at the Western Wall and they're just, they're like this constantly as they're making their prayers and they're worshiping and they're just like rocking like this. And I asked my guide, I said, is there something in the Bible that I missed about that? Because that's a form of worship and prayer. I'm not, see, I mean, the clapping and the raising of the hands and all these other forms of praise. He said, no, that's just tradition. He said, they're, they're doing that. He said, just for a practical reason. There's nothing religious about it. They're doing that to keep themselves alert and awake. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I don't do this, but I do this. <laughs> okay, I get that. So we come to the cross or this Rhonda Moses come out and we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And we make this declaration. The Lord is our banner. And I can say to you, as a pastor, that I'm not putting my reputation on the line when I say this, although in the natural it might feel like this. I say this to you because the reputation of the Lord is what's on the line here because he gave us promises in his word that he would give us the victory. You know, if we just trust him, if we come under his banner, we don't try to fight this in our own ability and strength in our own man-made ways, but we just come in faith and say, Lord, I, you know, your power begins when my power ends. I'm going to stop trying to force this. I'm just going to trust you. And I can say by the reputation of God's word that he will give you the victory. He'll give you the victory. He'll give you the breakthrough that you need in your personal life. He's going to give us the victory and the breakthrough in this church. He's going to do that for us here at the Banner Church as we trust in him. And if I could just give you somewhat of a halftime chat and pep talk that the Lord is our banner, Jehovah Nisi. And as long as we have the Lord as our our banner and that's the flag that we're flying nothing else but that and we're under that banner we can go out into the second half of this year with a great expectation that Jesus Christ is the captain of the battle of hosts and he's going to lead us across the finish line he's going to give us the touchdown as needed to win the game he will 
I can say that with total confidence, a God confidence deep within me, not a self-confidence based upon what the word of the Lord is saying. I don't know the timing. I don't know if it's going to be in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. I just know that God said, I'm going to do it. And he is faithful. And be, you know, being confident in this very thing, Paul said in Philippians 1, 6, he that started a good work in you will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to finish this thing. And when we get down in that building and I've got the air cranked down to 60 degrees and you've got your jackets on, you know, I tell you what, I, I'm going to take just a step of faith here. I'm going to get a couple of people that are not afraid to wave the banner and we're going to go out there. Banner. I'm going to have one on one side that says the Banner Church, another one over here that says Jehovah Nisi, and I'd like to have one right in the middle say the Lord is our banner. And during worship, Jensen, you better get ready because you might have a flag waving right against your face. I don't care. But we're going to celebrate when we get in that building and we're going to remind ourselves again that God brought us through this and we're going to rejoice and we're going to wave the banner physically going to have that happen some people might show up from Scottsdale and say that church is weird I don't care you know we're going to we're going to proclaim it we're going to keep ourselves under the banner of Jesus Christ and celebrate the great victory that God's going to give us it's not just about the building location but this is about eternal things this is about eternal souls of people's lives that will be changed and that community and in that area. And I, I say this sincerely that there's a couple in our church that I think are represent to me like first fruits of what God's going to do in that area that Jason and Darcy at their, their testimony and they have a business in that area a few blocks from our church and they live in Scottsdale and, and how God just brought them to our church and, and uh, it was really supernatural. I know the Lord spoke to them and their testimony is so dynamic and powerful and I feel like God is saying they are first fruits of many more to come in that community. Businessmen, residents, retired people, children, teenagers, young professionals that God is going to transform and change their life because people will know when old town that this is a church that's under the banner of Jesus Christ we don't promote anybody else. we're not going to promote ourselves we're not going to promote the program we're just going to promote Jesus and see what God does hallelujah and it's really that simple there's nothing more it's not difficult if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto me and my heart was burdened as I was preparing this message because I feel like God so clearly spoke to me that there are sheep in this flock that you are fighting privately against the spirit of a Malachite, a ruthless enemy that's literally trying to suck you dry of your spiritual vitality, trying to, to defeat you. And I felt like the Lord showed me in the spirit that literally some of you, you're like right on the edge of committing spiritual suicide in your life where it's like, I can't do this anymore. I want to quit. I want to give up. Not a physical, but I, I like when I saw the word spiritual suicide that you're, it's like, I'm done. I don't know if I believe this stuff anymore. And some of you have been steeped in the things of God in the church, but you're in such an intense battle with that same spirit that came against Moses and the children of Israel and the Lord wants you to be reminded here this morning that are right on the edge of here that the Lord is your banner if God be before you who can be against you the battle is the Lord's hallelujah 
And in this half-time scenario, at the middle of the year before we go into July, we need to just put our trust and our faith and make sure that we keep ourselves under that banner, knowing that, Jesus, I'm your shepherd, but the chief shepherd, Jesus, is saying to you here today in this half-time chat, I've done this for you. Stay near the cross, and as you put your trust in me, I'm going to give you this victory, and the spirit of those Amalekites that have come against you will be defeated like they were in Moses' day and there will be a time of rejoicing and that memorial and that banner that was so emphasized by Moses is still valid today for you and for me. We have a worship team come this morning. And I want to pray this morning that that, that spirit, and I believe it is, it's, it's a spirit that we deal with just as Moses did. And the Lord taught them such a valuable and important lesson in this first battle, and it was interesting that there, there was this important banner that Moses is up there in this metaphor of keeping the banner lifted up, this rod, symbolic of Jesus Christ. And I think that the Amalekites had no idea of the power and the authority that was being invested in the children of Israel. They were probably outnumbered. They probably had greater weapons and all of that. But Jesus... Christ was the difference maker in that battle, and he's the difference maker in your life here today. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus.